Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I are talking about the 10-year anniversary of the Metrodome roof collapse with Vikings Director of Operations and Team Travel, Luther Hippie, and Vikings Equipment Manager, Dennis Ryan. Well, Pete, before we discuss that memorable day <laughs> 10 years ago, let's discuss what happened at U.S. Bank Stadium last Sunday where the Vikings survived a really messy afternoon with the Jaguars to win that game in overtime. Yeah, they, they did enough uh, to win. I mean, it was one of those games where that's all you wanted to get the W. There were no style points. This team is is going to have a lot more success when they quit shooting themselves in the foot. I'm going to be nervous now uh, against Tampa Bay in the first play of the third quarter because it hasn't <laughs> gone well for the last two. Um, should take a, just take a knee when you come off for the third quarter. Exactly right. Just take a knee in the first play of the third quarter, and we'll make it up there. It's, you know, you're still seeing some unbelievably good individual performances. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, he continues to get better. It was great to have Adam Thielen back, and then defensively to lose Eric Kendricks in pregame warm-up, and to have a guy like Todd Davis come in and, and play, I think, as well as he did Harrison Smith starting to show up. Cameron Dantzler starting to mm-hmm. make some plays. I mean, a lot of positives, but two weeks in a row, you've given up a touchdown on offense, and, you know, two weeks in a row, you've won. So I don't know if that's ever happened before in the NFL. That all has to stop because you're you're heading down south to play a really, really good football team. Well, this has been a crazy year for obvious reasons uh, beyond uh, the inconsistent play for the Vikings, the injuries, covid everything going on, but so was 10 years ago in a different sort of way. You were a part of that as well. The dome collapse, Brett Favre's second and last year. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, unusual things happened that year, Pete. It's amazing how you can capture magic like in 2009 and then do your best to try to recreate it and things when you force it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't go well. And I remember my youngest son, Ryan, who at the time was six, woke me up and said, hey, Dad, the dome collapsed. And I just thought, <laughs> yeah, whatever, what dome, where, who, what, why? And then within, what, 18 hours, we knew where we were going and what we were doing and the amount of logistics and work that had to be done to accomplish that, most of which done was done by Luther Hippie and, uh, and Dennis Ryan. It's, it's amazing that they did what they did. And they are our guests tonight. Well, Pete Bursich is a uh, matter of uh, introducing our guests to uh, our fans out there in listening land. Uh, we want to have Luther Hippie, uh, the longtime Vikings director of operations and team travel, and uh, my big buddy, uh, Dennis Ryan, who's been the Vikings equipment manager, uh, join us for some uh, story time going back to the 2010 season. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, lots to talk about uh, on this uh, 10-year anniversary of, of a memorable year for lots of reasons uh, Luther, how are you today, first of all? Good, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. Just kind of give fans a background on how long you've been with the organization and uh, before we kind of launch into that 2010 season. So I started uh, interning in 1993 while I was getting my master's at uh, Mankato State. I think it was Denny Green's first or second year. I started in the spring of 93 and uh, full-time in the fall of 94. And Dennis Ryan is the equipment manager. You were maybe, what, 20 years already into your career with the Vikings as the Longtime equipment manager, right? Right. I started before there were interns in 1975. Oh, my goodness. The 2010 season really started with that crushing loss in the uh, NFC Championship game in New Orleans uh, when the Vikings looked like they were on their way to the Super Bowl. And and then it sort of all 
kind of unraveled in a lot of ways and, and, and a lot of weird memories that occurred that year. Uh, the big question, I remember going down to training camp, uh, was, was Brett Favre going to come back, uh, for one more run? And, and, uh, I'll let you guys kind of weigh in on just what that soap opera was like. I remember when Jared Allen and Steve Hutchinson and Ryan Longwell flew down to Hattiesburg to try to convince Brett to come back for one more year. Maybe the $20 million a year contract probably helped as well. But Dennis, what do you recall about that, that soap opera that was continuing from the year before? Well, after 2009, everybody was hopeful, of course, that Brett would come back. And he'd been through that same situation in Green Bay. And so we were hopeful be able to pull it off. And when we heard that those guys were going down to see him, we thought there was a pretty good chance he'd come back. And once he did come back, there was a lot of excitement going into the season. You still had his number four jersey ready to go then, is what you're saying. Yeah, we didn't we didn't pass that off. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and Luther, I mean, it, it had to be kind of a crazy time for you. And that was just the start of what was going on with, with the, the Vikings and what was going on with this team. And and there's so many things that happened. Randy Moss was uh, picked up again and traded back here. Then he was cut. And then leading up to the uh, the collapse of, of the Dome. And I think that's where you kind of can weigh in on, on, a, on a story that probably hasn't been told enough. And what went on behind the scenes? If you could kind of take us back and refresh our memories, what occurred that weekend? Yeah, I think it started. I think Dennis reminded me that he gave me the call at uh... – 5.15, 5.30 in the morning, he gets into the stadium by 4.30, 5 o'clock on a, on a noon game. And I think I got the wake-up call at 5.30 um, that our stadium had collapsed. And I, I really couldn't get it through my mind that I thought maybe there's just a little hole in the ceiling. We're still going to play at noon until Dennis said, hey, you don't understand the stadium is, the roof is down. So once we all woke up and got going, um, it just was a long day of figuring out, you know, what are we going to do here? Where are we going to play the game? And waiting for the NFL to um, – give us the word on, I think the biggest thing is where, you know, where are the Fox trucks located um, around the country that would be the easiest for us and the Giants to get together and play. Um, and they determined that the, I think it was the Packers and the Lions were playing in Detroit. So after that got teed up, then it was just a, a rapid fire, you know, try to get a hold of everybody and say, we're leaving this afternoon, which is in, in this world, we don't have the teamworks thing going on. That was a little harder um, than it mm. would be now. Fortunately for us, it was a division team at the Lions, so we stayed at the same hotel we'd probably been at 10 times. So there's a lot of things that helped us, but still trying to get a hold of Atlanta and Delta headquarters and getting aircraft and then, you know, just everything that goes into it to get us out of town. But, um, you know, we made it work. And then, you know, Dennis had the rapid fire tutors trying to get our equipment loaded quick and, and get going. Pete Versus, what do you remember about that weekend? I remember seeing the, the video of Fox. Remember they had their cameras roll and we saw the actual collapse, we want to call it that, of, of the dome that day. Yeah, and I think I, I remember in the in the footage, if you look closely up by the roof, you can see Dennis Ryan with a with a big Bowie knife just <laughs> going across the ceiling. That was in twenty five years of being around this team or so. It, it, that was one of the craziest things that I that I had ever seen. I think the logistics of it when I first heard about what happened was what was going through my head because, like Luther said, we didn't know. No one knew what was going to happen, and. I mean, I remember things from just the homeless folks or whoever showed up went to the game. But Dennis Ryan, I remember a lot being said about the paint in the middle of the field because they made they made Ford Field as much of a home field mm. as possible with the graphics and with everything else. But I remember hearing a story about how they had to go about getting that paint, the paint, the Norseman logo on the, on the 50-yard line. 
Yeah, I didn't worry much about how they got the Norsemen. We were worried about getting the equipment out of the locker room at the Metrodome. When we weren't allowed in the stadium, we had to talk our way past security because we had personal belongings in the in the locker room. Well, the personal belongings were like 53 lockers full of players' gear, the coaches' gear, the training gear, all the field gear. We knew we had to get it out of the stadium, and we hoped to do it before it collapsed. And we knew that we would get chased out, so that was our focus, was to just get everything out of there as fast as we could, which we did. Got on a truck and headed to Winter Park and started packing for what could have been a Cold weather game, a wet weather game. We had no idea where we were going. We oh just God. started packing. We packed until we headed to the airport. And, and Dennis, give us an idea of when you, you mentioned indoor, outdoor, warm weather, cold weather. How much how much extra equipment is that for you guys to manage? Well, we we went and picked up a second truck. So, <laughs> so we had all the indoor gear in the Metrodome on on our truck. Then we had another truck, second truck, which we started just throwing everything else on, whether it was coats and jackets for coaches, players, staff, whatever was going on in that truck. So it actually worked out pretty good. We got to the airport. We didn't have to bring everything with us that we loaded. We just unloaded one truck. Then uh, we had two trucks unload when we returned home. The Minnesota Vikings, Fleet Farm, and KFAN are teaming up this year to support Toys for Tots and Kids in Need this holiday season. Drop off an unwrapped toy to any Minnesota Fleet Farm location between December 7th and December 12th. Share a photo of the toy drop-off on social media using hashtag BikesToysForTots for a chance to win Vikings autograph merchandise and Fleet Farm gift cards. We'll be back in a moment with more Skull Stories right after this. It's skull season at Mystic Lake. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and a Polaris side-by-side. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash football. Now back to more skull stories with Dennis and Luther. And Luther, as the director of operations, you're also, if I recall, you left Minneapolis. You were flying into another blizzard again in Detroit, so you had a kind of a double whammy trying to figure out how to make all this work as head of team travel. Yeah, I know. I, know. I just got to be uh, one thing after the other, but um, you only can just worry about what you can control. And sometimes you get, you know, we've had all sorts of stories where we've got snowed in in Philadelphia for three days. So everything just keeps compiling going. You just got to kind of figure out what, what can happen. But luckily we landed safely in Detroit, took our time to get downtown and uh, that game you know, went on as well as possible. Take us behind the curtain a little bit. How did the discussions with the league go during this time when you're trying to figure stuff out, the Vikings are trying to figure stuff out, but obviously the NFL has to weigh in on this as well. Yeah, I know we had a call that morning. I think it was getting more like to between 8 and 9 in the morning when New York people got on and just figured out, you know, like Dennis said, he needs to know, are we playing outdoors or playing down south or east coast or just for snow <laughs> or indoors, outdoors? So the biggest thing is, same with Delta, they need to know where are we taking you. So until that answer comes out, um, we had to get the word from New York that you now you are going to Detroit um, since we do have the trucks there. 
So that gets the ball started. At least we know, like they said, you can get a hotel, what city we're going to. And then you just try to come up with the best, you know, menus. You can't order. You just got to say, do you think you could have somewhat of the food that we'd be used to? Um, and I can't remember if the Packers stayed at the same hotel mm-hmm. um, or not. But there's just a lot of things. Just try to get us through to play this game and can't worry about some of the details because we don't have any time to plan. And that part of it just amazes me for both of you guys because you both have a number of people that work with you to assist, but just the, I mean, millions and millions of details that had to be worked out to be able to, to take an entire game and move it. You know, I think the Giants, I think, were in fact, were stuck in Kansas City. They couldn't even land in Minneapolis. Give us an idea of the number of people and how much help that you guys need just to execute your jobs. Okay, back in 2010, we just had, you know, there would have been a couple of, it would have been Chad and Paul, um, the three of us, and we'd always send out one person. In a normal game, we would send someone out Thursday morning to get the hotel ready, go meet with the stadium, airport people. So there's a lot of things that you're putting in place and then send an advanced person out to take care and finalize the details before the team comes in. So there's just, there'd be three of us total that would be working on that. But on a normal game, on a road trip, we'd be working on this for a good 10 days doing things. There's probably 30, 40, 50 things you would cover and cover a second time and cover a third just to make sure everything's um, buttoned up. But a game like that, when the stadium collapsed, it's just a uh, rapid fire thing and you do the best you can. Again, we're talking with uh, Vikings Director of Operations Team Travel, Luther Hippie, and Vikings longtime equipment manager, Dennis Ryan. And both you guys, that wasn't the end of the story. Uh, the Metrodome didn't heal itself overnight. You had to play a game at TCF Bank Stadium and the logistics involved with that on one of the coldest nights I can recall uh, with Brett Favre finishing his career here. If you could kind of talk about what went on and the negotiations that went on and how do you get that place ready for an NFL game when it really hadn't been used before like that? That that was a difficult night. I don't think they ever really got the field ready for an NFL game. You know, it, it was frozen in some portions of the field. It was thawed in other portions. You got anywhere near the sideline and the players couldn't keep their footing. You had guys sliding out of bounds and, and, and it was really a hard surface in, in different areas. So, uh, it, it was a tough night and I don't think they ever would have played that game there if it wasn't our 50th anniversary and our mm. big celebration was scheduled for that night, I really think they would have moved it. And we, we, you know, it was very fortunate the conditions we endured that night when we did move to TCF, everybody knew we needed to have a heating system in that field. So the team was willing to, to finance that and do that. So we did have a, a nice field surface to play on for those Two years we were at TCF. Right. And uh, Pete Bursich, as you recall, uh, as it turns out, that was it for Brett Favre. He got injured that night, and that was the end of his career. That was the last time we saw Brett Favre uh, in, the, in the National Football League uh, uniform. Yeah, it was. It was the end of an era. I mean, that was, um, uh, you know, it's it, sometimes you look at the Vikings history, and it's like you, you can't make it up. You know, you have these things that go on. And I know for Dennis um, and for Luther, there had been a number of times prior to this, though, where things had to be done with snow on the roof of the dome. Is that isn't that correct? Yeah, I think it went back to 1983, the first collapse of the dome, or at least the first collapse when football season was going, and we were playing Monday night against the Cowboys, and all week we didn't know if that game was going to be played there. I guess it prepped me for uh, the 2010 event because I knew we were going to play the game. 
that that game was going on regardless of whether they were going to be able to play it at the Metrodome, if they were going to get that repaired in time. That wasn't quite the rip we experienced in 2010, so they were able to repair it, and we did get the game off on time. Only took 27 years of preparation for you to use it, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did get a couple more years out of that Metrodome uh, before we had to move to TCF Bank. Well, a lot of stuff happened that year, going back to the year 2010, and I recall being in New England uh, to cover that game when Randy Moss uh, lost to the Patriots, and uh, we're waiting for him by his locker, and he inexplicably decided to walk over to a news conference and basically singing the praises of Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization, and the next day Brad Childers waved him. And that was the end of the Randy Moss time with Minnesota. And I'm sure uh, it was kind of a weird time for you too, uh, Dennis Ryan, uh, as, among other things that went on when Leslie Frazier took over at that point. Right, yeah. And I think uh, Randy was wearing a Boston Red Sox cap at his he was. conference, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. What kind of a guy was he to deal with? It? You, you saw him in his, 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 from his rookie year on, and uh, I'm sure he had a lot of conversations with with uh, the Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, Randy was great with the equipment staff. He treated us with respect, and, you know, he he was a guy that always packed his own bag. He'd get on other guys about mm. whether they were putting their laundry in properly. I, I don't think he saw us as an authority figure, so he really liked us and, and kind of looked out for us. So I, I always had a good relationship with Randy. And, and of course, enjoyed watching him play as a Minnesota Viking. Who was it that was the kind of the biggest pain in your rear end throughout their career? I, I have a guess for Dennis Ryan's, and that would be Jeff Christie, my favorite story of him breaking all the ceiling tiles with a football. Who do you, throughout the years, remember? Uh, I mean, there's just way too many names, but who, like, guys like Christie and things like that. Well, we, we had a guy who was a linebacker. He played a lot of special teams. <laughs> Do a lot of <laughs> <laughs> He hung a lot of things from his locker, including gas masks. And, I remember coming uh, in one do time. You remember and you were wearing my gas mask? Isn't that correct? Well, uh, yeah, I think I think I might have needed it. If we could fast forward to where we are today, of both of your jobs in particular, we talked about a very trying season in 2010. Well, to say the least, it's been a very trying season in 2020 for all sorts of different reasons. So, Luther, let's start with you on how, how difficult has your job been and how different has it been in this COVID era to kind of keep things safe, to keep things organized, and just kind of make sure that everyone in the Vikings organization is doing the right thing. Everything has been multiplied by how many buses you take because we can't, we have to sit six feet apart. So, mm. you know, it looks like the presidential motorcade when we come in now, instead of four or five buses back in the day, it used to be four, now it's 10. So you've got police wow. escorts taking us for a quarter mile long. You know, getting your food handed to you in a meal room with a sh somebody with a shield in front of them, like you're at the bank, you can't get close to, so they slide it with a carryout. A lot of guys having to go eat in your room now because we can't sit more than two people at a table. You know, we, we talk about this. It's getting to, this is probably the first year that, you know, it's not, any, it's not getting to be any fun this year, but we're all in the same boat. Um, after almost 30 years of this, this is the first year that I can say that, it, you know, we all get tired and all that during the season. But this is the first year where you're saying every week, and now it's starting to really ramp up that here's another protocol. And it's just a lot of, uh, I would say, more work than it is fun. You know, all, of the, all these years it's been work, but it's, I enjoy it. Now, this, this year has been just been a lot of work, and it's not a lot of fun for any of us, I don't think. Dennis, you could add to that. Well, it's been difficult to say the least, and uh, you know it, it's been more work, and we're limited to uh, less help 
and you know what? We're finding ways to get it done. And uh, you realize that the NFL is going to carry on and we're going to get through this and and probably all the way through the playoffs and they will crown a Super Bowl champion. And you know what? Somehow, some way, we'll, we'll get everything done. You worked at Winter Park for a very, very long time. What was it like to go over to uh, TCO? You know, I always loved Winter Park because we, we came from Midway Stadium in St. Paul with the dirt floor <laughs> for our storage room and oh it moved to Winter Park. It was the Taj Mahal. But uh, you know, looking, looking at it this year, we're really lucky to be in this building to be able to spread people out and to be able to, I can't imagine how much the virus might have spread had we been still at Winter Park in the mm. tight quarters and, and uh, yeah. difficult uh, surroundings that everybody had, office space and and everything. So moving in here was, was awfully special because they live on this side of town and to get all the space and all the amenities we have in this building, it's amazing. And now uh, this year, I think we can really realize how fortunate we are. Well, we appreciate your time. We want to thanks uh, thanks again to uh, Vikings Director of Operations, Team Travel, Luther Hippie, and Vikings Equipment Manager, Dennis Ryan, for shedding some light on a very crazy season in 2010 and an even crazier one so far in 2020. Thanks, gentlemen. You're welcome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Pete. Well, Pete Bursich, great stories with uh, Dennis and Luther. That is for sure a memorable year for Lots of reasons in 2010, and uh, now we can fast forward and look forward to a, a game with, without a dome stadium Sunday at Tampa Bay against Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady still got that proverbial chip on his shoulder to try to show that he can do this without Bill Belichick? He's always crabby. He never looks happy. So he, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter where he is or what he's doing. But for Tampa Bay, they haven't made the postseason in 13 years, and they wow. did a lot this offseason season. Uh, to bring in some talent, especially offensively, and uh, you know, a very, very good football team. They, uh, they've lost three of their last four, lost two in a row, and now they're coming off the bye. So they're going to want to right the ship literally and figuratively. You, you can't play the way that you've been playing. You have to tighten the ship up quite a bit. So you have uh, four games left to go. It's a four-game season. You start on the road against the, probably the best team you've faced in quite some time. It's just a great challenge. Well, 2010 will always be an infamous year in Minnesota Vikings history. We want to thank you again to Luther Hippie and Dennis Ryan for helping us fill in some of the gaps of that memorable season. And Pete, of course, thank you once again for another great week. And thank you fans in particular for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.